evening and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Well, we're back again and on the show tonight we've got Mr. Tom Don't Bailey. I've been with body in two different places. I'm still playing for both teams. Professor Adam Davis. I feel the smoke climbing down my cheek. Steve Rutter. I should be participating as well. And to round it off, we've got the chairman of Gilbertown Football Club, Mr. Martin Hellier. Settle down and let's hope we've got some interesting football banter for you. Sing a song about heartbreak. What do you know about the sweet taste of sadness? I got a name for each one of my headaches. What do you know about the thin line of madness? And good evening and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And uh, as you can hear, I am, I'm unfortunately not Mr. Hilda Pry. He is uh, prior occupied, if you will. He has prior arrangements. That did um, work. So it is myself, Tom Bailey, standing in as host today. Uh, as you have also heard, we have Mr. A.D. Hopper on tonight. How are you, A.D.? Yeah, I'm, I'm just about surviving. Just about yeah, not, surviving. Not got, a, got a case of the old bug at the moment, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. He's but on I can the mend. still talk, though. I can still talk. Thank some, God. Or, some or might not. say for Britain, but uh, we'll carry on <laughs> anyway. <laughs> also joining us is uh, our financial expert, Mr. Adam Davis. How are we, Adam? Good evening, Tom. Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Always a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, our special guest tonight is uh, none other than Yeovil Town Chairman, Mr. Martin Hellier. Martin, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you for having me. And we love you having you, on. Martin. We love having you. Thank you. Wow. I'm honoured. I always <laughs> yeah. enjoy it. So thank you. Thank you. Well, it's always meant to be an enjoy- enjoyable experience, and we like to think it is anyway. Maybe we're kidding ourselves. I don't know. <laughs> You're doing all right. You're doing all right. Anyway, well, um, <clears throat> we're going to start, as we always do, with uh, Town. But, of course, they haven't had a game for 10 days or so. No, is it 10 days? It must be pushing that way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It won't be long. Uh, so um, it, it's a slightly different tack we're going to go down. And um, I'm going to start really with, I see that you've you've uh, appointed your son as a director to the company and, and oh. a, a great move, I think, because I've seen him regularly working and he's always working up there. He's always beavering about. It looks oh. to me like you've taken the view that he's deserved and he's earned everything he's got. Yeah, I think so, despite the odd sort of uh, grumble and... and... And so on. But, you know, regards Jack. Firstly, Jack is a very hard-working, uh, loyal, absolutely dedicated to the success of the club, um, as he is with any other part of our group. Um, people should know that he was instrumental in conceiving the fan zone. Um, he's almost quadrupled the hospitality sales in what was a very neglected aspect of the business. And... You know, importantly as well, you know, in my family name, I've invested enormous amounts of money uh, into the club. 
and it was really paramount to have the family legacy kind of solidified should something unfortunate happen to me like I don't know being hit by a bus as I step out of the bell for example <laughs> um, and you know there's no free rides on this train and that applies to my children as much as any employee and 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 my boys are acutely aware of that fact so you know I congratulate Jack on 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 on, on being of the sort of status that um, I would consider him a director and, and, and Jack would know better than anyone that if he wasn't you know worthy of that he wouldn't be a director I mean no bones about that so you know the kids should be congratulated on on you know anyone that ever meets Jack would would tell you you know what a great kid he is and you know if the world was full of Jacks it would be it would be a pretty special place to be honest so so um you know, let him let him do what he's appointed to do, and he's he's proved himself to anyone that that really sort of matters to me. And you know, the fans, you know, were were unsure about me when I came in as well. Um, I hope they will reflect on the fact that I think that every decision I've made so far is the decisions that's led us to to break the National League South attendance record twice, to, to have attendances up 75%, to be 13 points clear at the top of the table, to have 14 wins in a row, a record-breaking thing, and, and, and to make Yeovil, to make following Yeovil exciting. You know, I mean, just think of that statement compared to last season. It is <laughs> exciting to follow Yeovil. So hang in there, everyone, and... and, and and try and trust my judgment. And and if um, no one no one loves the club more than than Jack, that's for sure. So you know, cut him some slack and let him let him do his stuff. And uh, and um, he knows he knows he's fully aware that there's no subsidies or uh, jobs for the boys, um, whether it's people around me or my own or my own son. So so um, yeah, it, it's brilliant. And it's really important if um, if God forbid something happened to me that. There's a member of the family that has the same dedication and 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 integrity and and work ethic that I have. So um, rest assured, it's it's for the long term good of the club. Um, Steve Rutter has now arrived. Evening, Steve. Good evening. Sorry about that. That's modern technology for you. You obviously or my have... lack of ability with modern technology. More to the point. Ah, uh, probably. But you obviously haven't got a hammer handy. You need to have a hammer in the office. It's a threat to a computer, and it takes it on board. You see, I've got one in the drawer here, just in case. <clears throat> if all else fails, just get the hammer out. Um, Martin, I ask you a sort of put a, a, a direct question, really. Oh. If, if Jack comes to you and says, "Dad, I don't like the way this is being done." Um, are you going to do a Brian Clough and say, well, yeah, I'll listen to what you've got to say uh, and, and I'll agree with you and or disagree with mm. you, but at the end of the day, I'll just do what I want to do? No. Um, Jack, Jack often comes to me way before he was a director and um, comes with his own um, view. Sometimes the view, once I've, once I've provided a rationale as to why I'm doing something, he accepts. Other times he's provided a rationale as to why he doesn't think it's right. And I've changed to that. Why? I mean, you know, the, the whole concept of of not agreeing with him simply because I'm the boss, or not agreeing with any other director or member of the staff because I'm the boss, it 
it doesn't make for a good business. It doesn't make for a successful business. I can say, yeah, I'm in charge of everything. What I say goes. And you've got a business, it fails. Well, well, where's the benefit in that? I, I, I am the absolute last person that would give someone a job as a favour. And that includes whether it's Jack or my younger son, Evan. And they know that. They know that. So the, the only thing I would, I would repeat is the fact that I think I've made the right decisions for the club up to now. Um, yeah, I have a personality and people don't like it when you, when you might be a bit of a Brian Clough and speak your mind. But I still will be that person and I'll never change being that person. And um, I'd, rather, I'd rather hand the keys back than, than, than change who I am. And, and for the bigger picture, you know, anyone doubting this, just remember trudging up that club last season and, and, and being grateful if you even had a draw. And where we are now, we came in, I listed my intentions for the club at the beginning of the season and all but covering the away stand, I fulfilled all of those. And um, if there's a few more Martin Helliers queued around the corner waiting to do it, by all means, come along and do it. Um, you know, uh, I certainly don't do it for the money. And, and uh, you know, I think, um, you know, social media and gossip and all this sort of thing, it's good to hop on the bandwagon while it's publicity, if it suits, if it gets some attention. I mean, we, the, we, we've, we've come in and... and and, and done our best to rescue what was, you know, an absolute sinking ship. You know, it's already deploying the life lifeboats, if you like, life rafts or whatever. And um, I'm not going to make any apology or excuse or reason why I should appoint my son as a director. I mean, as I said, if I drop dead tomorrow, um, you know, I need to know that there's someone in there that's a, that's a little bit more invested in that sense, in that community sense and spiritual sense and legacy and so on which is way outside of any commercial um thinkings and and um and that's where it is and that's what i've done and 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 thank goodness for the likes of jack as well as all the other valuable um invested staff that we have right now let alone the fans and players and coops and everything else listen it it doesn't get much better than what we're doing at the moment i can't put some chocolate sprinkles on top for you all. But here, here's where we're at at the moment. And um, there are, of course, some people you're never satisfied because if you solve a problem, they can't moan about it tomorrow. So, um, yeah, we're fully happy. And, and um, we like to think the majority of fans are as well at the moment. Adam, you got any questions for Martin? Only, I, I, I must admit, I'm enjoying watching it very much from the outside. Uh, as many will know, I don't get to go to Yeovil Games as much as I'd like to. I was down for Christmas and Taunton had the bright idea to have a waterlogged pitch, which made me extremely disappointed because I was very much looking forward to that. I guess my, my general question is, and I've had the pleasure of working with a few different owners up and down the pyramids over the years, um, and some have been incredibly ambitious uh, and some have been... Uh, realistic and some have been neither of those uh, i guess my only question to you martin is where do you where is the realistic ceiling to yeovil in the next couple of years it's continuing uh, improvement all the time i mean that is what we are and until, until the day we drop dead it's continual improvement my sort of thinking with yeovil town we like to carry on that trajectory 
you know, with uh, I, I, I say nothing's guaranteed, but but and I'm not allowed to say if we get promoted. I must say when we get promoted. When we do, we want to carry that trajectory on up through the National League. And I would like, really, if I was realistic in my mind, that if we made it up to League Two and we could hover there for a few seasons and a few years, take stock, reinvest, you know, you don't build a house on, on wobbly foundations. And, and I think that was part of the problem with flying up to the championship and back down. And people refer to that. Listen, any club of any level, National League South or below, if you if you gave them the opportunity to go all the way up to the championship and back down, they all would do that. And all right, you know, it, it takes a bit of management and so on. And I think a, a lot of the problems with a lot of football clubs is they concentrate so much on getting the best players. They don't think about having one decent business person in there. And you've got to have that. So in answer to your question, Adam, really, I, I think if we can just get up into League Two, you know, we're in the EFL, we, um, you know, there's more revenue, there's, uh, you know, we can get back into the academy status so that we can properly and structurally nurture the young talent that's in the area up through grassroots and, 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 and with financial support in doing that, which you do not get at this level. It's all done off our, off our backs. Um, and just take stock. Be a few seasons, a few, two or three, four, whatever years in, in League Two if we need to. But bed in and reinforce everything that's underneath us to ensure that we don't have this knee-jerk, sporadic, all the way up, all the way down. You, you know, as much as you can with football to try and get some some consistency. And it is, at the end of the day, 11 blokes trying to put a, put a ball in or, or 11 against you trying to do the same. But all I feel is, is in, in, you know, there might be an air of arrogance to this, but it doesn't feel like a solid business person or a solid group of business people have, have, have had that formula and, and stuck with it and have been measured and you know, investing at the right time and doing and doing the right things. And and so everything we've done to now is on that basis, including our Jack coming on board. And we'll continue to, to do the things we consider right. And and I think the list of results I've I've just read out is a kind of a score sheet as to how well that's going. When things start going bad, everyone's welcome to take a pot. But um until then why don't you just enjoy the football and enjoy the results we're achieving? Um, like I said, you know, I can't stick a cherry on top of this as well. Um, but yeah, so long, long-winded answer, Adam. I'm sorry, but um, two or three, four, whatever seasons in League Two, reinvest, bed it in, make the foundations underneath of us solid so we never go back to where we were last season or where we were put to this season. And then just see where we're going. Every club, even if you're a, even if you're a Sunday morning, you know, tin pot little thing, you do have the right to to think like a Premiership team, like a Premiership company. No one who would deliberately undersell themselves or be less than they could be, and that's that's the sort of attitude we 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 try and adapt with, uh, adopt with it all. 
Tom, you got anything to uh, to ask Martin in relation to what he's just said? Um, not in relation to that, no. But I, there's just a, a general footballing question. Uh, who are your top three Yeovil players of all time? Ah, uh, that would be. Do you know? I get asked a lot about this sort of stuff, and I almost, I almost feel it's like an injustice to the team I've got around me. It's like if I dare look backwards once in my life about anything. I, I just feel it's a slight compromise. Um, yeah, there's 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 some absolute great ones, but I can't even begin to look back because, you know, rock sets in afterwards, or or it's the, the concept of looking backwards is a tough one for me. Um, you know, the likes of Skivo and 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 even even critters who's 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 you know in our accounts department now. The likes of himself, they've all played a part somewhere in in what was a great time. But there there is this huge like swell, this huge tug of back in the glory days, back in the glory days of Yeovil, and yet barely a, a concept is so fragile, you know, wants to whisper it or something, that we're gonna have those great times again. And so it's it's almost like a reset, like a clean sheet. And and there's been dozens of them and I I follow um, Michael West with his um, heritage stuff a lot, and he's a big, big help to me with regards to all of that. Goes back so far, um, but you know, when people say to me, "What, what, what football do you watch on the TV?" I don't because Yeovil is all-consuming. Certainly, from a chairman's point of view, is all-consuming seven days a week, twenty hours a day, or something. So. It's 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 whoever I list is going to be other ones that were better, or it's going to be subjective or something like that. But honestly, the 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 interactions I have with our current team, and I always remember Coops at the start of the season saying he wants to build a team that's full of character. And there's so many of them. Like even if I had to pick out from our current team, it would be an injustice to the others. They all play an integral part. They're all cogs in a machine if one of those cogs is out you know it affects it all so what about yourself who would be your top three top three well top i'm gonna to say top three excluding this team because it's not fair to include our lot because they're all fantastic i think obviously skiverton's got to be up there um i always have a soft spot for um oh no it's completely slipped my mind uh this is it. It's been so completely many. gone. Phil Jevons, that's it. Okay, yeah. Um, Phil Jevons, and uh, if I had to say someone else as well, I'd probably say Lindergaard. Right. Just because he's he's iconic, and again, like you say, there's so many others as well. But it's I think so, if, if I had so to many, three. and you know, we obviously had a few sort of disappointed fans when when Staunts moved on, for example. Now, yeah. Great guy. Staunt's very, very dear, close friend of mine. Totally. Um, but we could name 10, 15, 20, 25 players we wish were still with the club. And, it, and, and at the time they were with the club, they contributed greatly. They were really popular. They were good PR for the club. But, you know, all things must pass in that sense. And... Um, I think the fact that each one of them has contributed to the legacy of the club and the history of the club, they're forever in that kind of book of of great people. But 
at the moment, it's kind of like I can barely look back for, for, for danger of compromising my, my intentions for the future. But that's not to disregard any of those fantastic players that have had an input in the club, historically. Steve Russell, you one. were late on parade, but I'm sorry to have kept you waiting for so long. Um, your comments, questions... No, I mean, just a couple of like, listening is quite interesting because um, obviously you've got a similar situation with, with Mark Cooper, haven't you, and his lad playing. And, and I just think, like, you never employ somebody just because they're family, but you don't not employ them just because they're family either, you know? And there's, there's this thing, if, if you think he fits a role and he does a job, that's right. and he's also got those additional benefits of that association, affiliation with the club, etc. Yeah. And like you say, like that familial contact gives them more investment in the club. Oh. And he's, he's competent to do the job. Then let him do the job. Well, it was a, a funny comment on social media the other day. Someone that was like a little bit against it said, "It's all right for a builder to employ their son, but it's not. But but you know, you wouldn't have a you wouldn't have a football owner employ their son. It's bizarre. Like if 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 if, if your kid was competent, qualified. Don't get me wrong. Jack knows he's got a lot to learn. He's 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 completely without any." Um, negative agenda or anything bad he'd be the first to admit he's got stuff to learn but you wouldn't deliberately not employ your son because um, because um he's got clearly the 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 um the ambition and 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 the little green shoots of talent and so on that you nurture on and he's working in an environment you know, the, the, you know he's, he's slogged his guts out seven days a week for that club since I took ownership of it without single complaint. And on barely a penny, I might add, add, add as well. And you don't... And, yeah, you know, the first thing is, is as soon as, you know, as a father, as soon as someone's making remarks about your kid, you go, that's, that's going to hurt. And I noted that how many people on social media were were complaining about whenever Charlie come out on the pitch we were losing and then he had blinding results and how many of those comments were being deleted but they wouldn't have the backbone to even look up and say I was wrong about that and I think we also know as fathers that you you just take that on the chin and it's not going to touch you because if it did you know you, you, you'd be no one anyway so I can I can say to absolutely any fan listening that I'm, I'm fully confident um, in taking Jack on, and I wouldn't I wouldn't change my mind on that. You can have a club back sooner than I change my mind on that, to be honest. So so I'd sort of without meaning to sound a bit rough and say get used to it. That's that's what it is. So, do you think that people when they go from business into football don't see it as a business? So there's a fellow called Chris Brady who's a professor on sports finance and he's an Everton fan. Yeah. And he, he did a presentation and he said, look, the, the problem fans think with their hearts, not with their heads. Yeah. So they will spend money and sign players that the club oh. can't afford because they want the club to do well. Yeah. Whole, Whereas, it's a business and you've got to yeah. have the infrastructure of the business right for the front of house stuff to function effectively. But so many people involved in football just miss that completely. It entirely skews the whole thing. The, the romanticism or the joy of football um, is intoxicating and it can completely skew your business view of it. And someone, I, I've quoted this before, but someone said to me, were you ever prepared 
you know, for the football club. And I said, I, I can remember when, when you're expecting your first kit and everyone around you gives you all the advice in the world of what it's going to be like. And none of it prepares you for, 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 uh, for having your first kid. And football clubs are absolutely, you know, fit that analogy. Um, but at the same time, it, 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 it brings me a lot of joy. It keeps me up all night. And um, I'm trying to get it to toddle on its own two feet. So it's very, very similar to, um, to having kids. But yeah, it, it, it can be a very intoxicating. And of course, you're in a game where you want to win. And, and you, 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 you made the point there, Steve, that you can spend more than, than you should do. Or you can buy things that you, because you, you want to win, 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 win. And if you get carried away with that, boom, you've suddenly turned around and you've got your accountant coming up to you saying you've got this massive black hole that's irrecoverable and and it's game over. And, you know, I've made no bones about it. That's where the club was. It had three days when I, when I took it. So it you've got to be very measured. And that's why you have the right people around you. People like Reese Rosser, people like Jack, Keith, the stadium ops, the group of people around me, the hospitality people. They are, and, and, and um, you know, the, the point of, do you listen to anyone? Absolutely. I'm making, most times, I'm the one making the least decisions. I might be making some big ones, or I might be authorising something, but it's not Martin Hellier sat on his own, it's some sort of dictatorship saying, I'm stamping my feet and saying, I'm having this, I don't care what any of you say. That's a nice kind of thing to cultivate on social media and, and, and for people to believe that. Any person around me will come on here and tell you um, that it's nothing like that at all. Hey, can I just finish off? Just, just the last question, really. So obviously, with what's happened with Everton and Forest today, and the you know the breach of financial fair play regulations etc. You obviously have to invest quite heavily at the moment and improving the playing staff etc. So what sort of percentage of the club's income is then directed towards salaries for players now? And what sort of percent? And what sort of percentage would you like to get it at? Because like we say, getting a squad is important, but having a squad that you can afford within the overall constraints of the oh, club. Totally. Totally. I mean, I am entirely subsidising this club's ambition and ability to get back up into the league above. Um, any football club owner in this league or the one above would sit next to me now and, saying, and would probably say it's almost an impossible algorithm or calculation for a club to set a modest, basic player salary, for example, and player salaries are only part of the salary wage bill, and um, and to either sustain itself, as in financially, even to break even, or to have any ambitions of progression up through the, up through the league. Um, those are some of the, that, that's a little bit that sometimes hurts when you hear the negative comments, is the fact that, that I... I mean, let's let's not mess around. I personally have put £1.5 million into the club in the seven months that I've owned it. That wasn't going to happen from anyone else. It was going to go bust. I'll never get that money back. I can hand on heart say that. 
but there's something else it takes over and 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 you know it's a little bit of give back for once and 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 um you know i'm i still remain humble and honored and privileged to be able to do that but proportionately as far as a club's income and and, and what you spend every penny of the income from the club goes on the club i take no salary from it jack takes no salary from it um the 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 staff around me take take a salary that would be would be consummate to, to any other kind of admin job or something quite rightly so they deserve it but um um and i don't look to take a penny from it but it's 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 an and almost it it makes you wonder how football exists anywhere below i don't know league two for example because you're not getting that funding you're not getting that academy status you're not getting those parachute payments you're not you know as we all talk about it passing down the pyramid and quite rightly so it cuts off dead and it's only for the passions of people who are measuring it more than pound notes if you if you're doing it for that don't even begin. Go down Argos and buy Sabutio or something because you're not going to get anywhere with that. And, and a little nod to Kevin out there at Taunton, and, you know, he's t- took some stick in that. He, he will tell you, I'm acutely aware of how difficult it is for Kevin out at Taunton. And then you've got, then you're in the lap of the gods regards weather or, or, or you know, having a really low run of home games and so on and so on. So, it is not for the faint-hearted, and, and you know, to be brutal, no one really, most people could not begin to imagine the level of um, spinning plates and juggling and all that. So, so the the our budget is absolutely disproportionate to the league we're in, and that's because I want to get us out of this league because I can't get to League Two unless I get out of National League South and National League and so on. And so, it, it, it's it's. It's a passion. It's my accountants begged me not to take the football club. Begged me, professional people around me, Martin, what are you doing? What are you doing? But there's something that it's a little bit like you guys trying to explain why you like football to someone who who can't understand it, and um, and that's what it is. So so when I make decisions such as Jack and so on. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to apologise once for it because we've invested our absolute lives into the club in seven months and look where we are. So, And we're loving it. It's not a complaint. We're absolutely loving it. And so it's always going to be a few whinges if I took us to the Premiership. But um, the, the, the finances at this level, honestly, I don't know how other clubs do it. I literally don't know how they do it. And I'm, I'm happy to do it and I love it. And I love it. And um, and Jack has that same attitude. And if something happens to me, Jack's gonna 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 carry that flag forward with the professional people around us making most of the decisions that we ultimately endorse once they've made them. So, but it it's it's uh, it's almost impossible to explain. It's not like any business I've ever owned, and I've been doing my own thing since I was sixteen, and I've I've never known anything like a football club. But I've never known anything fulfil me spiritually, if you like, or whatever you want to call it, other than the football club. And so there's a there's a trade off there, and it's how do you measure 
fulfillment, happiness, success. You, it's not by just counting a stack of money, is it? So we love it. We love every minute of it. And, and, and we're still approaching it with the same, with the same uh, dedication as we did on day one. And, and it's great. It's really great. It's really good. Tom, you've got your hand up there. What, uh, what's up? <clears throat> Turn your mic around, mate. I'm back. <laughs> um, I just want to add, we touched on it briefly just now. Um, with the amazing attendances, obviously, we broke the record twice this season so far. Has it allowed for us to reforecast uh, budgets, or are we sticking to the plan as if we were kind of run-of-the-mill? And sort of yeah, I mean, it? as far as budgets went, and, you know, I'd get my ass kicked if I started quoting actual numbers. But, for example, we've trimmed... We've trimmed about twenty five percent off of off of what the budget originally was because we've managed to get revenues in and so on. But you know, you've got to look at a situation where year one you could lose one point five million. All right, year two you might lose half a million. Year three you might break even. So on year three you're still two million down. Okay. It's those sort of numbers, and that's before investment here, investment there, and investment there. So, um, if anyone said I want to get rich, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a football club. Well, there you go. There's your answer to that. But if anyone said I want to stand somewhere where there's six thousand three hundred people in an absolute jubilant spirit watching their team win and being reminiscent of where that was a year ago, and with all the with all the opportunity rolled out in front of us for the coming years it is okay to feel good it is all right to feel nice there's nothing bad about it you know um and so um yeah that's 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 what it is it's um it's great it's great martin a couple of quick questions but we want to move on in a minute to the um uh, Everton Nottingham Forest situation, but <clears throat> just quickly, um, what's the situation with regard to Somerset uh, County Council now, District Council, whatever it is, with the uh, the club's arrangements? Do you mean with the land and the buybacks? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I I still have the buyback rights to that. Um, you know, I've I've said this before to people that you know, if you're any sort of businessman, you're not going to buy. I don't know. Now you got to bear in mind that when the council sold that at two point eight million, they're not or bought it back. They're not valuing it at two point eight now. You know, it's more like three and a half or four, such as such as the laws of inflation and uh, or greed or whatever you want to call it. Now, I'm not going to smack a three and a half four million pound hole in my cash flow while I'm still people watching people walk their dogs around the fields every day. So, when we've when we've conceived the development, which is which is sympathetic to the football club, which which forms part of a football village, if you like, and 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 uh, I want to um, I want to put some three Gs up there, um, you know, something to compete. I think I think Buckers Mead, you can't even get in on those pitches for for um, however long, um, something like that. When I've got those plans drawn up, when I've submitted them, when I've got permission, and when I see that the business model for those works, that's when I'll do it. And I'll still buy that land back within the within the within the window of opportunity anyway. Um, so every now and then this question raises its head, but um, it's ours. I'll buy it when the time's right, and no one else will be buying it. 
Um, you know, you get a little fly in the ointment, really, because Somerset Council will probably declare bankruptcy next month. Um, and that probably throws lots of things up in the air, but, but it doesn't affect that legal agreement that we have. Um, you know, I, I, I try to say this in the most polite way. I'm going to spend my money when it's right for me and when it's right for the club. Um, it's going nowhere. No one, no one else is buying it. But that's a, that's a medium to long-term thing while I'm looking at what's happening at Saturday, what's happening at the end of this season, what's happening with players and so on and so on and so on. And, and you know, we're improving things right from the centre spot of that pitch outwards with the whole focus on, on the fan journey from the moment they arrive. So off-season next year, that's going to be my kind of fan zone upgrade that I want to do. I mean, you've got 300 people there um, that would have been, what, up the arrow or stood around the back in puddles or, or meandering around or something. I want to increase the retention of fans after the game. Let's get a band on and get some food going. And uh, I think as soon as everyone comes out of football ground, they're either going up to Asda or ordering their Chinese or or doing whatever, let's, let's, um, we always talked about the match day experience, right, at the start of the season. Well, that already now starts at 12 lunchtime, and let's have it finish at eight at night or something. So, I have a, I have a board which is strategically out of sight from you lot, because it's on my wall, but you know, I've got the long-term off-season list all down one side, and I've got the short-term immediate here and now all down the other. And that's how it works. And we don't, don't stop. Don't stop. You've got to keep striving for perfection, knowing that you're never going to reach it. And that's what we're trying to do for everyone. So, um, and so, yeah, it's, um, I'm not sure if I answered your question or not, yeah, really, you but have, you I, have, don't worry. I, I, I go on so long, I forget the question. <laughs> um, quickly, this one. Um, what's the story, very briefly, of this table? Because I, I saw the photograph of this table. It looks a fantastic piece of... What table's that? What, the league table? No, what no, table? no. Your, your mahogany table in, in, the, in the boardroom. I mean, what... Where did well, that... I, was sort of, I was sort of hot-desking. And um, I, I did make the reference to Keith, actually. I said, I feel a bit, I feel a bit pretentious having this boardroom. He said, tell me, how much have you put in this club? Just remind me. But on a serious note... You can get important people come down to the club. You could get some cup runs where you might have, you know, some League One, Championship, Premiership teams come down. You need a decent meeting room to do some decent business in. I certainly do. And we're talking, we talk to sponsors. We do hospitality. Now, on the on the flip side of that, you know, if you, if you want to, if, if, if I was even forced to justify it, let's say, on match day, I have a table of 10 people in hospitality, okay? When I, I now have that table in my office, and that's freed up a table with 10. It's always booked up every match, every home game. There's 15 grand a year in hospitality because I've decided to have my own office in there. Yeah. And, so, and, and not only that, I've got my same group in my office, and, and, and you, you need a special room. And, um, you know, do you want a nice player signing like Jordan Young in a nice panelled office with a lovely table, or do you want it down in the corridor with a load of post-it notes on the wall or something, and a mop and bucket in the corner or something like that. So um, it's, it's uh, so you need one big special room to do that. And um, 
we we do special some special business in there and, and certainly regarding our commercial partners and sponsors are enjoying it you have a little whiskey if you want and all that sort of thing and um it's a really special box and um you know in the odd sort of wobbly moment i think i've promised it out to a few people and i've got to, i've got to figure i've got to try and rewind on that a bit um well, if, they're 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 much, if, yeah. if they're listening i will honor it but um yeah we we made a nice office and and it's um it's reflective of our ambitions for the club as well you need a nice room and and um you know some special guests can come in there and so on right have a drink martin have a break have a break <laughs> you must be exhausted right um we're going to move on now to football finance in particular as most of us will know that uh, Everton and Nottingham Forest have been charged by the FA or by Football League or the Premier League. I'm not even sure who has charged them, but I'm sure Adam's going to tell us. Um, which looks as though potentially there's the option that they could, Everton could get hammered with another points deduction and so could Forest. Adam, over to you. Can you fill us in a little bit on what's going on? It's, it's not a bad start point, I must admit, AD. So, yeah, at the moment, technically nothing has happened. And that's the important thing to state right from minute one. They've been formally charged that uh, both by both Nottingham Forest and Everton have been accused by the Premier League uh, that there are larger issues with their spending. That's included going all the way up to the 22-23 season. Uh, normally, uh, prior to about six months ago, this sort of thing would have taken about three or four years to really worm out of the out of the woodwork. Um, what they're trying to do is change their prerogative to be a little bit more hot on financial issues. Obviously, Everton have already received a points deduction from a mistake made or continually mistakes made and lots of money lost uh, and beyond the legal limits uh, stretching between, I think, around 2017 to 2021. Uh, this new allegation includes the two most recent seasons as well so basically it wasn't that they continued to make problems for three years it's now we're looking at five or six uh forest also suffering from a similar problem forest's is fairly easy to spot all you've got to do is go and look at their squad list to really go and see that clearly money has been spent that wasn't necessarily uh forthcoming at the time um what we don't know uh, is a whether they'll actually the appeal so both clubs have chosen to appeal uh, that's fine whether they actually will be able to get away with it is a different matter and as a result we don't know what the punishment's going to be um in my humble pub lawyer view i think if we were to go beyond that 10 point deduction once again for everton would be incredibly harsh but we may see a further deduction of probably around three to six points uh, as further years of going wrong and Forest, I imagine, will be a similar level of uh, of sanction. Obviously, um, Mr. Hyatt isn't here, but I think it's only fair that we link it back to other teams that are also currently under investigation, that um, he would be very swift to point out are also um, supposedly doing wrong. Um, but we, we are yet to see how things are going to go. There's plenty of wider issues that go beyond football finance, annoyingly, uh, that fall into the realms of uh, of the legal profession and, and, and politics more than anything, really, uh, mainly linked to why these clubs are getting pro, uh, punished in the way that they are. The timing seems very um, opportune, so a cynic would claim. 
none of these things had really been accused by the Premier League up until the government threatened them with an independent regulator within the last six months. So there's plenty of, uh, of further questions that are still yet to be solved, but we will have to wait and see. Either way, Everton and Forest are going to get something, um, even when I very quickly run the numbers. It looks pretty clear to me that they have both definitely broken the rules. To what extent, we, we don't know yet. So who actually makes the charges? Sorry, say that again. Who actually makes the charges? You know, is it the football league? Is it the the, the um... no? So this is, so this is a this is an allegation made by the Premier League. So there are there are three main bodies that sort of keep an eye on the football finance of clubs within the UK. Firstly, you have UEFA. Secondly, you've got the Premier League. And then third, you've got the EFL. They all have different names for the same type of. Um, financial allegations and um, some call it the profit and sustainability rules uefa used to call it ffp but now goes by a different name but it's the name people associate with it um this one is a and all three of them have different limits on what they class as overspending so in the premier league it's spending 105 million pounds split over three years making a loss of that one or more that's breaking their rules uh uefa you're looking at around somewhere between 40 and 60 million, but that only applies if you're playing in Europe. So this is why Wolves got caught a couple of years ago by the UEFA rules, but were perfectly fine under the Premier League. And then the EFL have it under uh, theirs, where there's an acceptable limit of 39 million pounds if you're in the championship for three years continuously. So these are very different allegations each time. And this is where Forrest's is going to fall into a bit of a bit of a murky step because half the time they've been accused of they were breaking the EFL limits the other half they were breaking the Premier League limits but the important thing in relation to your question AD is that it has no links to the the FA the government don't come into this this is simply the Premier League having a go at their own member clubs so you're in the clear then Steve nothing to do with the FA hey no no I thought it had your stamp all over it mate I really did you know it's, it's just one of those things, though, isn't it? Because they can't investigate the secondary allegation against Everton until their appeal against the first allegation has been heard. So, so it's just nonsensical. It's, um, it's exactly my point where it's no longer a... As much as people want to make it a finance or an accountancy issue, this is where it falls into the legal and political sphere. And the only, the only thing we can guarantee is that there are going to be a certain set of lawyers that are going to get very, very rich off this. But yeah. nonetheless, you, you say all that. What I don't quite get is that, uh, Martin, you, you mentioned your accountant. You've got an, you're a football club, you've got an accountant, and he looks after your financial interests, presumably. Well, presumably, Everton have got a high-powered accountant, and so have Nottingham Forest. Surely somebody should be saying, hang on a minute, you're overstepping the mark here, and you're going to get hammered. Well, I mean, why don't the, they? This is the point about how far chairmans and directors... Are, are, are kind of success blind and say, well, thanks for your input. We appreciate it. Now, bugger off. We're still going to do what we want to do. Mm. Uh, I'm, yeah, it comes back, you know, I'm, I'm in the club where, you know, Nick Crittington said it's simply unsustainable. We can't do it. You're employing that accountant for that expertise and knowledge. If you go ahead and do it, well, apart from the, I told you so sort of thing, um, these things, they're all journaled and they're accountable and they all come back to bite you at some point, whether you're sat in some court of law or explaining it to administrators. And 
you know, the veil of limited liability in a football club um, or in, in any other business, that veil only exists if you haven't done anything which is clearly untoward or deliberate. And then you're personally liable for that, whether even if it was a limited company. So um, I don't know. I don't with with with, um, with Forest. I don't know if it's just about what they spent, or or, or they, I presume they had substantial losses on top of that as well. That's, um, that's exactly right. So the what we do know, uh, and this is why I think it gets a little bit confusing, um, and why it will get drawn on for months and months and months, even with plenty of supposed experts in the room is that there's a very big difference between actual losses, reported losses, and what we call allowable losses. So the allowable losses is basically everything a club loses minus stuff that each governing body classes as acceptable uh, spending. So this is usually spending on things like the academy, on infrastructure into the stadium, into the women's team, into the community programmes. So all things that are seen as the betterment of football. What that doesn't include most often, and, and Martin's already alluded to it, is is player wages, which although it doesn't account for mo- all the wages within a, uh, a company of the sports team, on average at the top level, you're looking at uh, 60 to 80% of the wage bill is just on that, is on that first team squad. So what we see within that one is where Forrest, uh, let's say we take Forrest's accountant, for example. Yes, it's a case of does uh, Maranakis, the chairman, Firstly, listen to his uh, his accountant. Uh, secondly, does the accountant fully appreciate what he classes allowable losses? Does that differ to what the chairman thinks? And thirdly, is that what differs from the league? Because this is where actually the original allegations for Everton first appeared, was that they claimed that their allowable losses were significantly higher. So the Premier League had a certain list of things, the ones I've just reeled off, community programmes, etc., but what uh, they also put in a section, which is where the lawyers got involved, on unacceptable losses due to COVID. Now, well, this was mainly written with the intention of lost income. So things like commercial deals uh, falling through, uh, either because the sponsor is unable or uh, unwilling to continue paying during COVID when there wasn't any games in front of fans. And of course, the obvious one being match day. Uh, actually, nobody was able to play. And yet the leagues were forcing clubs down as far as the Oval's level in the National League to continue on with a full time playing budget with no income coming in, um, which is where we saw major issues, uh, particularly in the National League that has been very well documented from people that were long uh, that have long since departed many clubs in the National League. Um, what they what Everton decided to do or allegedly did, I think is probably a more appropriate term, is that they also included that the transfer market was distorted because of uh, because of COVID, that there was less money available and they were working on the ifs, buts, maybes. So they sold Richarlison to Tottenham for £60 million, roughly. Um, and their allegation was that they should have been looking to more towards 80 and £100 million. And as a result, that's what they put in their accounts. And the allowable loss was that £40 million difference. Everton saw it one way, the Premier League saw it another. So this is where we we delve into how does the accountant deal with that? How does the accountant actually run into these sort of things? As I say, it goes beyond accountancy at that point. It goes back into the legal profession. So whether whether the accountant signed off on it knowingly or unknowingly, 
unfortunately, it goes way beyond them uh, and, and is actually a larger governance issue within the Premier League and within club football as we see it up and down the pyramid. OK, slightly less zeros at the at the lower end, but the, the issues that we see at Everton and Forest persist across the pyramid. And one of the one of the corporate laws that really aren't enforced to any degree these days is is you know when you become a director you are legally duty bound to do what is in the best interest of that business above and beyond your own and you don't really hear too many people being called to account on that law and yet you know you can have a club that well, not spent 250 million on new signings um I certainly know proportionately our Nick downstairs would not allow me to do something to that degree because they're saying to you, listen, we are going to go bust. We are going to get a massive fine. We are going to get a points deduction if you carry on doing this. And they would know that, of course. And what Everton, I think it's the biggest points deduction in the, in the, in the, in the Premiership. And you think, who's going to sell that close to the wind to take that risk even? But... There's some clever accountancy practices so you can defer stuff to the following year, your depreciation, there's there's real stuff, there's not real stuff, there's what I call wooden dollars, you know, people say I've made a saving on something, well I haven't because it costs that much more, da 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 da. So there's some very creative accountancy practices, now what you've either got is an accountant that's kind of going along with it through peer pressure, through corruption, or through fear of losing his job or whatever. But ultimately, if the accountant isn't a director, that's don't forget you've got chartered accountants signing this off. At a certain turnover threshold of 10, 15 million pound a year, you've got auditors that are auditing what the accountants have signed off independently. So there's a lot of professional corporate suppliers, if you like, outside of the football governance that are equally as accountable as because that's why businesses are designed like that over a certain turnover. You can't have a rogue director, a, a, a dictating chairman or something that says, well, I'm doing all of this anyway, because and it goes back to that question earlier about does football skew. Um, forgive me, I think it was yourself, Steve. Um, does football skew business practice or the romanticism of it or the ambitions of determination to win or the pressure from the fans yes it does absolutely and here is the most polarized example of it on the news today right that's football finance dealt with it i reckon are you adam it's, always yeah i mean i go away and i totally understand exactly what's going on which is absolutely great so thank you very much for that and uh, i hope the students at manchester university are getting on along with the uh, the same um, what shall I say, fluency as you put it over to us today. So well done. Similar level of aptitude as well. Mental aptitude, I haven't got much of that, I can assure you. Not at my age, it's all gone. <laughs> um, Tom, over to you for the football then. Right, well, we've only got a couple of minutes, so we'll just fly through it. Um, I, I'm actually going to speak to you first, AD, oh, simply to just look at United versus Spurs, because I actually thought it was a very good game myself. Um, I'm sure you can speak in absence of, uh, of Mr. Yeah. Rick Hyatt. Um, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, I, I'll, first of all, I'll take you back to the, I think it was the second game of the season when United went to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and lost 2-0, I think it was, if memory serves me. And I remember saying on this programme that I thought Tottenham were going to have one hell of a good season because I thought they looked really good. And sadly, for our expect, they came and did exactly that yesterday. Um, 
I thought United were okay. They they started well. I mean, to get a goal after three minutes was great, and Erasmus it was it was two on the trot at uh, Old Trafford, so that was good. Um, and then Marcus got one, which is again somebody who's been struggling, and he got a goal, so that was good. But on the other hand, the defensive uh, frailties were again. I mean. Surely somebody, I mean, it was obviously Johnny Evans who missed out. He should have done better with uh, Richarlison for the first. And the second one, I mean, they're saying that, that the goalkeeper was, was bamboozled into thinking he was going to shoot high and he actually shot low. Well, I don't know. I didn't even think it was a shot exactly. It was just a, a trickle more than anything else. But uh, it certainly looked as though we, we, we tightened up a little bit when Martinez came on. And that's a great, uh, you know, a great sign for us to see one of our decent players coming back and Casemiro was on the bench which is good so you know I don't think United are going to pull up any trees but they're, they're getting better they're slowly getting a little bit more the way one would expect them to be and if they can just keep up that that momentum and keep up the consistency who's to say we're not going to get into the top four there's a long way to go yeah so you know I haven't given up hope but I'm always the opt eternal optimist but I think they've got a chance but Equally, I think Spurs have got an even better chance. Yeah, they're looking good, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Steve, we'll come to you next about, uh, well, since you've got a horse in the race uh, somewhat, uh, we'll go to Friday night where Burnley drew at home to Luton Town with a dramatic 92nd minute equaliser from yeah. uh, Carlton Morris. Um, while I didn't watch this game, I did hear there was some VAR controversy and I did, in fact, see the replay of this. Um what were your thoughts on not only the, the incident, but also just the game as a whole? Um, well, it's probably about the, the quality you would have expected, I think, with the two sides. Um, you know, not really great standard. The goal itself, uh, you know, I thought both the managers dealt with it reasonably well. Um, Rob Ed was saying that if, if it, you know, it would have been soft to be given, he thought, um, but he'd have been angry if it had been his team that conceded it. I just think that uh, adebayo has gone past the line of flight of the ball and then turned his back. Once he's gone past the line of flight of the ball, he's clearly not intending to play the ball. So he's, he's gone to block the keeper's approach to the ball. Now it's a debate as to whether or not he's allowed to take the ground or whether or not he's deliberately making contact with the goalkeeper to stop him. So I'm very, very surprised that after VAR they didn't disallow it, I've got to be honest. Um, but I'm pleased, for, I'm pleased for Luton because it was great that they got a point. Yeah, it's a really important point for them as they are now, uh, well, they're one point behind Everton with a game in hand and we could yet see them lose further points as well as Forrest. So the, the relegation battle may not be over as we all thought. Um, Adam, we'll jump to you next in the foot, in the uh, financial fair play derby. Uh, Newcastle losing 3-2 at home to Manchester City. Um, Oscar Bob is probably uh, the, the main event of that one as he scored a 91st minute winner. Um I mean, he's he's still so young. He's 20 years old and uh, there's a link up there with the Norwegian side of things with him and Haaland. Um, what are your thoughts on him? And, and again, the, the, the return of Kevin De Bruyne as well, helping City over the line. Sounds like a dog's think, name, doesn't it, Oscar Bob? It is a strange oh, I, I, one. I think it's it's up there in top five names in the league at the moment. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I think overall... Oscar Bob? Yeah, it's it's just another one off the conveyor belt. In fairness, off off the city conveyor belt of of really exciting talent. Oh, I thought you were um, talking about dogs' names. Sorry. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but um, overall, city looking starting to look a little bit more like we were expecting them to. The fact that they they played the way they did um, was unsurprising. Kevin De Bruyne doesn't look like he's been away, which is both impressive and terrifying for anyone that isn't 
playing uh, at Four Man City. Um, the fact they did it without Haaland, again, always speaks volume to the uh, strength and depth. Again, you would expect so with the side of the way Man City were. Um, a lot of murmurs of, of disconsent within Newcastle at the moment. I think it's you look at the run of games, the players they've had or not had, as more case may be, and the teams they've faced. They were never necessary. Well, they weren't never, but it was going to be always very difficult to replicate the form of last year, especially as so many teams were were off the pace last season, which is no longer the case this year. Um, they've still spent an awful lot of money to, to even get at the top table. It's kind of the only thing you can do, really, at, at this level. They, they even released their accounts not that long ago, about four days ago, and it basically suggested as such that we're still far, far off the level of spending that you see with City. So the fact that you go and lose to a team of City's quality isn't really that surprising. Yeah, they've, um, as as you said, they, they're struggling a little bit with financial fair play. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do next. Uh, it feels like they've somewhat jumped the gun on their progression and now they're kind of paying the price. So, which is obviously why you've got these systems in place to prevent such things happening. Well, yeah, just one top thing on there is I looked at the accounts even today through work. And yes, I think it's an accurate description that they, they've had to ramp up a level of spending and speed that we weren't expecting. In terms of players that came in, they bought 140 odd million pounds worth of players uh, through the door uh, in the last 12 months. Again, not an unreasonable sum of feet, but you've got to remember where Newcastle squad was. Uh, I live relatively near the northeast and know a lot of Geordies who are very disappointed in how it looks this year. And then I remind them of the players they had even less than 12 months ago. They've bought 140 million in. They've been only able to shift 15 because of the quality of that squad to begin with. You are always going to get that initial uh, upfront cost that's going to cost more. And their aim is to to reduce that level of spending as time goes on a conversation we've already had tonight uh martin i'll give you the pick of the bunch here between chelsea and fulham and uh everton villa i'm, I'm not sure which one you preferred to take as you did mention you uh, aren't too focused on anything outside right, take, of it. Your pick, take your pick i'm interested uh, just without going off of that just looking at some of the match statistics on newcastle man city man city was 747 passes versus newcastle's 277 I mean, it's quite a, uh, you know, that's quite a huge difference in those two um, and the accuracy level as well. But no, you take your pick, Tom, and I'll I'll, um, I'll quickly Google it and pretend to know about football. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will we'll chuck Chelsea versus Fulham at you, as there was a goal to talk about, at least. Um, a penalty uh, by Cole Palmer. Very helpful for my fantasy league, I should say. Um, I think. Chelsea uh, are slowly getting there, slowly but surely, admittedly. But um, I think there's something happening there. You just don't um, hear about Chelsea so much, do you? You know what I mean? It's like it's just not. Certainly in my circles, at least, and, you know, <laughs> as you all know, I barely have time to watch any football, listen to it, whatever, apart from Yeovil. But I don't know. It's like one of those sort of names. It's you know what ninth in the table there. It's just strange, you know, because when I dip back in and look at this every now and then, how I mean how 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 circumstances change so quickly but it's all off the back of some vast financial scandal or or injection or something 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 so is it is it, it you know we had this conversation several months ago you know can you judge football as football at this level compared to watching a game in say the national 
League South or Isthmian League or something like that. And it's so skewed, it's so perversely affected by vast sums of money. Um, you know, it's it's sort of... The money was never such a feature. You know, that's, that, that's the thing. And now it's about who's the richest, who's got the biggest Saudi investor or Chinese investor or something like that. Is it really so much about football we're all buying the best weapons we can maybe i'm as guilty of it proportionately at this level so so i get it i get it but you know the ticket prices the fan treatment all of this even though you talk about man united and all that sort of thing um so i might be detracting a little bit from from your original point but it all just seems to go full circle to the same subject that we started off on um with the financial side of it so I can't. I can't see the football for the money. Um, in a, in a, it would be my way of putting it. Yes. Um, well, I think we could probably wrap it up with the world does indeed run off of money. Indeed. I think. Well, um, we we could probably call it there. To be honest. Um, the Oval Town. Yeah, up the Oval Town, Martin. It's been absolutely brilliant to have you on, and uh, I'm sure we'll be having you on. Uh, well, hopefully, we'll have you on again uh, before the season is out. Thank you very much. I'd like that. Enjoyable as ever. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you're you more much. than welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, a big thank you to Steve Rutter. Thanks, Tom. Enjoyed it as always. Always a pleasure. A uh, big thank you to Adam Davis. Pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Financial Insight is always welcome here. Thank uh, you, Professor. <laughs> yes, thank you, Professor. Um, it's a big thank you for myself, Tom Bailey, for listening. And we'll hand you over to A.D. Hopper to sign us off. Yeah, well, thank you all for listening. We appreciate your listeners. And um, all I can say is, football, bloody hell.